So today we're going to meet with Jerry Harmon, who is the founder and chairman of Avante Capital Partners. Her story is fascinating, building this business up, and I am excited to get this content out. How have you come to where you are now, 11 years later, coming into Fund 3? Like, Can you just rewind a little bit and tell us a story about starting the firm? Sure. Well, obviously, when you look back and say someone started a fund in 2009, they're either really stupid or really brave and smart. Obviously, since we did it, we're brave and smart. <laughs> if we had failed, it would have been stupid. So having said that, it's interesting because it, being an entrepreneur, starting my own fund wasn't part of the dream from the beginning. I've been in the business 25 years at that point and, and worked for some great institutions and, and great people that I work with and, and who work for me. But there was kind of, sometimes you see a fork in the road. 2008 hit and the financial meltdown happened. And the firm I was with at the time, Allied Capital, was running their Western U.S. operations and on their investment committee. And they were closing offices. I mean, everybody was kind of shrinking, especially this publicly traded BBC. So we were marking to market. So even though my portfolio, my track record, the firm overall was doing fine, when you're marked to market, it doesn't matter. So I was at good point to, in time to decide, do I want to keep doing that, um, working for others, uh, or have more control over my own destiny? And when you see that kind of meltdown happen, and even though everything you've been doing is, was working out well, everything, the people doing it with you, you know, and your team were doing well, and that kind of outcome still happens, controlling your own destiny had a much bigger emphasis at that point in time. Um, having said that, I'd never fundraised. I'd always worked for bigger institutions where the money was just yeah. there. Uh, but then I ran into my now partner, Evelie Simon, um, and she had helped fundraise at a prior firm, and she was also a deal person, and we had hit it off. And she said, if you do this, I'll join you. Um, it turned out she was pregnant with twins, so <laughs> that I found out, which she told me right away. And we ended up... Well, your, your kids were what, teenagers? Uh, my what? kids were teenagers at that point, yeah. So I was already past that stage, and look, I was so delighted to have So if it didn't work calendar. out, you just like, all right, go find a job. Well, yeah, <laughs> but um, it, it was funny because, you know, she, she was very transparent about it. I mean, you know, and I, didn't, I thought, great, that's fine, as long as you want to come back to work after, you know, the twins. But we didn't, either of us anticipate is that she um, ended up having to, uh, to stay in bed. You know, it turned out she had a difficult pregnancy, and so she, we literally were launching the fund from her bedroom in her apartment. So, yeah, it was. It wasn't just even the normal kind of start in a garage. It was literally. <laughs> so were you like on the bed. side and kind of going through legal docs? Pretty <laughs> much, yeah. Here in the bed, sign here. Table and then you know, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was, it was that kind of start. Um, and you know, we had other people joining us, of course, along the way. Um, How long our did first it take to fundraise? We had our first. Um, soft circles within six months, our first close within a year, which gave us hope. It was still a small first close. As most people were not even, their doors were closed. I mean, it didn't matter who you were, let alone a first-time fund, which is almost, I mean, the first-time fund is usually, you know, difficult to say the least and takes a long time. In a time when people are really running scared, uh, the last thing they're going to do is commit to a fund they haven't already invested in, let alone even a re-up for an existing fund. We just were fortunate to have, you know, we used our networks. Uh, we used a great track record. Um, I think the strategy that, you know, we were um, trying to execute on was uh, 
compelling and we had the right, you know, experience to execute on that strategy. So you just walk through as many doors as you can. Do you have a favorite quote? Well, at that point, because I support my family. So if I don't bring in the income, we're in a world of hurt. So, and I, at that point, when you're started fund, you're writing checks, not receiving them. So to say failure is not an option couldn't be more true, right? That's just, and you have to have that mentality. You have to be smart about it. If you're getting feedback that just makes it not realistic, where you, you got to listen to that. Say, am I just on the wrong path here? But we weren't getting that kind of feedback. It was, you know, the people who were listening liked what we had to say and just took a lot of knocking on those doors to see who was at least willing to consider an investment. It took us two and a half years altogether. So we had the first close in a year. It took another 18 months to kind of wrap it all up. And in the meantime, we also... Uh, got our license as an SBIC. So we weren't necessarily intending to do an SBIC, but we learned about that program and thought it was a really good fit for us. And so we ended up going through that process as well. And our second fund was an SBIC and our third fund will be as well. What do you think are some of the, in the, in the early days, the most difficult times, but, and, and kind of how did you get through that as a team? Well, I think the operative words are as a team. Um, I think you need, it, you know, you, you, it is like going into combat, right? I mean, you're, and, and that brings you close, right? And it's also a great test of the team and how they people can stick together, support each other through what obviously later became good times. And it's always challenges, but the time was just very difficult. You celebrate every success. Our first good pitch, our first good soft, soft circle, you know, the first close. I mean, everything you do, celebrate the small you celebrate items. those things, you... Um, make sure everybody feels part of that success and you know you just keep doing it you just keep working at it and, you know it just there's no no turning back which is I think how you have to be with any first-time fund let alone in, you know, during, during the Great Recession. What is the next chapter in the firm's history? Chapter one being startup phase and then raising the fund. Well we raised our second fund in 2015 and that was much easier that was six months from start to finish. We had a great result fund. One was home run fund. Um, and we did everything that we said we were going to do and we built, you know, a fantastic team. And so thankfully fund two was much easier. But then like every fund, um, I think at some point you go through, I would call growing pains. And so you start to sort out where are things not working as well as they could. Um, we made some changes and, you know, actually about a year ago, um, and that was more the composition of the team a little bit and it was great it was the best thing we ever did it's like you never make those decisions quick enough um and because they're hard to do when they involve people so um we made some of those tough decisions and the team was so much stronger now than it was already strong but it's even stronger now and everybody's super excited for the future um I think up till now we were thinking about it and I certainly say I was thinking about it but I would say in general everyone was a little bit just one fund at a time you know get that first fund raised do great investments you know prove the prove the concept that we can do this even though we've done it for many, many yeah. years prior to that but as a as, as Avante second fund was a little bit more of a continue to execute and show this wasn't just a one-off now the big pivot I think for me personally and for the rest of the team and certainly my partners is that we're thinking broader you know scaling so Yes, we're going to raise fund three. But we're thinking of this now as, a, as truly 
you know, it's building a business, not just raising a fund. It's, it's a platform. So there'll be other strategies over time that we will be able to um, put on this platform, bring in other people to help us do that, but use our platform. The fact that we've got, you know, a terrific and proven origination um, capability, uh, you know, very proven successful underwriting, yeah. you know, which the results come from that. So when you look right. at all those things, it, it's it's a real draw. And I think part of the reason people want to come to us is not just, well, okay, we had, we've had two successful funds. Um, it's really the culture. It's back to building a, a, the kind of company that people want to be part of. Um, and it's our diversity. We have, you know, 10 of our 13 people are women, minorities, or both. And that's, you know, that's intentional. They're the best people I could ever have, right? So, and they're diverse. One question is about the structure of the business. Like, why do you want to change something if it's working? Like, I guess the question is like, what are you trying to reverse optimize for? Is it X amount of dollars equals X amount of happiness? Or is it like, why not keep the current structure and just keep on um, doing it in this lane? So for example, like, if you have a private equity firm that says, oh, I want to start a credit arm, why not? Like, why not just stick to what you're best at? But what are your thoughts around like creating, growing the structure? Like why do more service lines or why grow in assets versus continuing what has been? Yeah, we're not trying to just be an asset aggregator. You know, typical private equity world, you know, bigger is better, right? Everybody wants to have more assets under management. That's not really what's driving us. Um, we always want to focus on the lower middle market, which is really fundamental to our strategies where we think where we play, it's where we like to play, it's where we think the best risk-adjusted returns are, uh, you know, it's where all our relationships are, etc. Uh, it's where we can truly leverage our underwriting capability and origination capability. But there's a lot of products, if you will, that can be can, um, address the needs of the lower middle market that we're really ideally suited to do. Because so right, of how well you understand the dynamics of a lower middle market company. Right. How we Three can million find those dollars. deals, how we can underwrite those deals, how we can manage those deals. Um, now, we do both debt and equity. So right now we're primarily a private credit fund, right? We're doing Unitron debt, we're doing mezzanine debt, we're doing some equity co-investment below our own debt, all primarily in sponsored deals. And that's great. We're going to continue to do that. So we're not shifting gears and suddenly doing something different instead. We can continue to do that as a core part of our activity, but we can do more than that. We can address more, for example, growth equity, more of an impact fund would be, you Which know, is consistent with your values, very consistent your with, with where, with how we can successfully, um, as I said, leverage our capabilities um, and our strengths and do it not just with the team we have, but then bring in other people who really want to be part of what we're doing and want to have make a difference, want to have, show that a diverse team um, can perform as good or better than a non-diverse team. As I think you know, in the private equity world, diversity is not prevalent. Can you right? put that into perspective? Like where are we at today versus 10 years ago or 20 years ago? You know, really curious to hear because of how involved you are with women's organizations, what you've built here with Avante and focusing on um, empowering women in this particular community. Like, what is what is your perspective? You, you might be like the authority <laughs> on this subject. Uh, I'm not the authority, but I'm, there's certainly a, a lot of women who um, 
could speak to this. I think you've probably talked to a few of them. Um, but I certainly live it. I have lived it for a long time, and I'm very involved in it. And I'm on the steering committee of a group called Private Equity Women Investor Network, PEWIN, which is very focused on this. Um, but to answer your question, you know, all the things you hear about what it must have been like 20, 30 years ago, there are very few women. I was typically the only woman in the room. It wouldn't have been rare for me to be in the room and then ask me to get the coffee because they didn't know I was an investment professional there. They would assume I was one of the secretaries or, or what have you. I once showed up at a, at a business meeting in Salt Lake City um, to meet somebody for lunch and it turned out it was I had to go through a back door because it was supposed to be an all-male club. They didn't know my name is Jerry, so they assumed it was a guy and they were meeting me. What's it like today? Is it less obvious and it's more micro or because yeah, I think there's an article that I was on your website I was talking about there was the micro invalidations yes it's completely different I mean before it was pretty obvious I mean you'd be in a room and people didn't address you uh, or talk over you or you know you weren't getting promoted you got pregnant they assumed you weren't coming back there are a lot of interesting dynamics depending on where you work but there are lots of great people and I have great mentors I was able to progress my career um, just assuming that if I perform and show them I know what I'm talking about, that I will be appropriately rewarded. And generally that happened, but I had to be fairly sensitive to other dynamics around me and make sure I was careful not to step in any of these traps. Today, I think now it's much more important for people to address the issue of diversity. In other words, it's it is top of mind. You know, the LPs are talking to the GPs uh, about it. They're asking questions when they see an all-white guy, you yeah. know, roster in front of them. Um, they're it's almost like, now thinking by default, like, why is this? Well, and especially it's... because now, thankfully, there's been studies done that um, diverse teams, diverse boards, diverse management teams uh, perform better. I mean, it's just, it's a fact. What diver in diversity means a lot of things doesn't mean so I'm not saying it should be all women or all minorities or it's it's all about diversity of thought but diversity you know vis-a-vis -vis gender clearly has a huge impact and that's why even for us yeah we're 100% women owned but we're as I said we're very diverse so we have you know women minorities etc guys it's important to have all of the different backgrounds uh, different ways of thinking about things when you look at PE when how do you think that is having uh, an impact on the women in finance community? or how? And how have you seen PE Win grow over the past couple of years? Yeah, so I think I've been involved since the beginning, you know, under Kelly Williams' yeah. leadership and, and a number of others who... Shout out to Kelly for, yeah, hey, for Kelly. setting this up. <laughs> hey, there you go, Kelly. Um, she's truly been a leader. Um, I think what it did is it... PEWIN was the first organization to recognize that there was a need to bring senior women in private equity together um, to show mutual support, to show um, the world, if you will. There were a number of very capable, a lot of very capable senior women doing their jobs. Uh, and for us to find each other and to um, address the issues that we thought you know, occurred at that 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, that were still very much in play to provide role models, because I think another, you know, the issues with diversity revolve around, you know, the supply, right? Is there the pipeline of uh, 
women, minorities coming in to the private equity world. Um, retention, right? Is there a glass ceiling? Um, you know, and then just all these other subtle things that happen that are almost unconscious bias that happens. So, and people do what they're comfortable with, right? Guys, you know, we all tend to reach out to people that are we know from school or that are like us, that feel like it's just part of our comfort zone. So it's, it's, it's understandable, it's not acceptable, but it's understandable that, you know, the lack of diversity perpetuates itself, right? And then when it's you the have, private equity world, in the certainly. past, maybe the last vintage of private equity and private credit, where you have, do have more diverse teams, and not just, in addition to like you, Kelly, and some of the others who have been the senior leadership in that community, now you have the people who've come in behind them, who right. started finance? It's just like, oh, like right. it's, this it's is how teams can show, You can show, look, we're we're actually helping by talking to some of these private equity funds about what they can do to help uh, both attract and retain, you know, the great women, you know, that they're that they're capable of attracting and retaining. Yeah. Um, we are providing almost a mentorship to other women to so they have a safe place to go and talk about their issues and. Yeah and constructive ways to address the issues. Um, and we're also helping, there's a great project called Project Pink Light, yeah. um, which I'm very excited about, because I've, I've been unofficially mentoring other women who are starting their own funds. This is a more official program where um, women are looking to launch your funds, do a kind of a, a mock presentation to a panel of real LPs and GPs like myself who raise funds. Like an accelerator for private equity. Right. To give them real honest feedback as to, you know, how to improve that presentation, where it's the weaknesses and so forth. And if appropriate, maybe even, you know, where we can, we help connect them. I've done that with some of the women that I've helped mentor that connect them with LPs. I mean, it's all, a lot of it's just about getting to the right investors, right? And having, the, you know, learn how to best tell your story. Because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's all about storytelling. So this kind of reminds me of founder of Vista said something to the effect of, I no longer want to be seen as just a, you know, an African-American fund manager. I just want to be seen as a great fund manager. What has been the evolution of your thought and identity of like, that's a really interesting question. You know, I am, I am. Yeah. I'm a female fund manager. I'm starting this as quarter of who we are, but then like at what point you're just like, no, I'm a damn good fund manager. I'm always debating this, and it's interesting because I think there's a generational thing too, right? Women who, you know, from my generation, you know, the older generations, might think about it a little bit different than the younger women. Um, but anyway, when we started launching, the, when we launched our first fund, it was all about here's the strategy, here's the results, here's our experience, and by the way, we're women and minorities. Um, so it was very much a, you know, it's obvious we're sitting there in the room, right? But we didn't lead with it. We were very careful not to lead with it. Fast forward to, to launching for Fund 3, for example, it's it's right up, I don't say we lead with it, but it's right up there, right? Now it's like, we are proud of our diversity. It's differentiating, it makes us better. Um, and we proved it. And, you know, so we talk about that. Uh, and it's just, that's a very different mindset, you know. Do you think that you became more confident in having that equal to in your pitch, or it was also where the market is at now that the LPs, they want to have X percentage of their portfolio that is specifically allocated towards 
women and minority-led funds, and therefore, like, yeah, I can finally lean into this. The... I think it's both. I think it's both. I never want to be, I don't want a subsidy, right? I do think things like having specific allocations for emerging managers and women and minorities is important because it is a starting point. But um, we are as good, my track record, my partner's track records are as good as anybody on the street. Our performance in our funds is as good, if not better, than top quartile. Um, although everybody says top quartile. <laughs> we believe in ourselves, we believe in our strategy, and we, we believe we have proven that. We believe an important part of our success is our team. An important part of our team and who we are is our culture, which is all about diversity. So it's all linked. And that's why now when we tell our story, it's important to talk about all that. It's why we can track great, interesting people. It's why we actually, some of the deals we go in and, you know, if there's a woman entrepreneur, she sees women investors across the table. That resonates, and it can be an advantage. We've actually um, taken what we thought was paying it forward in terms of all the things we're doing with women, our mentoring and the PEWA and stuff. I speak a lot of women's conferences, but we were actually putting together a number of events of our own where we invited all these other senior and mid-level women. We did retreats. We did dinners, we've done just all kinds of events to bring them together and help them all connect to really create this ecosystem that's really important for, for you know, there's one, maybe two women at most in each of these middle, lower middle market private equity funds. And what's happened is that's evolved for us into actually a really unique channel for doing business because those women now want to do business with us. And we do business with everybody, yeah. but um, it's just a really unique channel. So 60% of our deals in our second fund came from these other women in these private equity funds, right? Because I mean, we you still started had to do... with a value-based way of doing business, and then it developed into an ecosystem that now is a great source of deals right. for you. Right, and it's a way for women now to be having fun doing deals with other women. I mean, you know, it's great. What is the motivation for you doing this? You know, it's in, yeah, because at some point it's not money, right? Yeah. I mean, um, and, and honestly, even though it sounds weird because I'm in the private equity world, um, it's never been about money. I mean, we all like to earn a good living. I absolutely enjoy that. My family <laughs> enjoys that. Um, I love building things. In all my prior roles before I started Avante, I built teams, I built markets, I built built something in every place I was at. And the, and the beauty here now is I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're building a business and I'm developing people. And to see the people that, you know, when Evelise and my other partner, Paul, joined, they were VPs. Now they're, you know, Evelise is a managing partner and Paul's a partner. Um, this is their firm, right? Going forward, it's every bit as much their firm as it is mine. And we're building, we have other great people that we're nurturing, right? And, and giving them the opportunity to grow and, and do really interesting things. So that's one aspect. Um, the other is I really like working with all these different companies. I like partnering with the sponsors we partner with and the other lenders that we partner with and you know, providing an opportunity for these entrepreneurs to grow their business and make investments in their business, um, create jobs. I mean, we're an SPIC. Part of the big purpose of an SPIC is to help job creation. Uh, for these smaller businesses that don't always have as much access to capital. Um, so it's really rewarding to have an impact on those businesses to, you know, with capital, with advice, with resources of other types, um, to see them grow. 
you know, they hire people, they promote people, etc. Um, that's that's rewarding. When you look back on your entrepreneurial experience, why have you become a successful entrepreneur? Because I've surrounded myself with really good people and I believed in them and I've given them the rope they need to thrive without hanging themselves. <laughs> we all are capable of that. Um, so I, it, it's, it's all about people, you know. I, I think I'm my biggest asset is I know how to work with other people and um, let them, enable them to contribute to their maximum capability. When they do that, it's awesome. It's really awesome. What is one piece of advice that you have for the mid-career woman in finance? Um, same advice I would tell myself if I was looking back, you know, telling myself 20 years ago. Don't be afraid to take risks. You know, if I have any regrets, it's that I should have started my own fund earlier. But it was that fear, right? That fear of risk, which is interesting because we take risk every day in our investments, but that fear of taking that personal risk that held me back, I think, a little bit. Um, I finally did it, which is great, but I would advise other women not to be afraid to make that leap smartly, you know, with good advice, um, with good mentors, with good colleagues to help them. But take risk. Don't be afraid whether that risk is asking for that next job, even if you're not fully sure it's you know 100% of how to do it, because um, someone else will, whether, you know, you're probably less qualified than you are. So it's whether it's starting your own fund or going for that next job or making a little bit of a shift in the type of job you're doing, you know, different career path, you know, it should be kind of a no regrets approach. Is there any request that you have for the private equity community? I, I think my request is just that um, everybody do their part in embracing diversity, whether that's you know working hard from the top to change your culture to be more conducive for women and minorities to have a successful career in your firm, whether that's working harder to reach out to women and minorities probably who have maybe less traditional backgrounds but could be, have the right skill sets to be successful in, in your firm. Um, we've done that. Uh, even starting internship programs, which we've done, um, where we brought in, we bring in interns that may or may not be from traditional backgrounds, you know, help train them and give them that opportunity. And we've had many successes with that. And they've gone on to, you know, good careers in private equity. And now we're exporting that. We're actually trying to, we're, we're bringing in um, intern candidates, not only for our firm, but for other SBICs here in the West Coast. And then we hope to eventually do that nationally. So to, again, impacting the pipeline of diverse and, and highly talented uh, candidates that bring them into our private equity, private credit world. I got three takeaways from the vlog today with Jerry Harmon. Number one, diversity. What does that actually mean? You need to have diverse thought in your IC meetings. You need to have a diverse team. Take a look at your team page. Think about how diverse this is or is not and how you can actually overcome that. Number two, ecosystem. Building a rich ecosystem that's concentrated in an ecosystem that you identify with and that you're from and the compounding effect of building that concentrated community over time. Number three, most important thing from this entire vlog with Jerry is one simple concept and that is risk. She wishes that she would have taken more risk earlier in her career. It has nothing to do with just starting a business or being a women in finance and taking more risk. It's it's the whole concept. Like 
are you actually taking enough risk at that stage in your life? Do more, be more, because your perception of risk is probably not the reality.